0: Welcome to episode five of the Made in Chattanooga podcast. We are your hosts this week. I'm uh, Jess. I'm the senior art director down here in the Chattanooga office.
1: And I'm Maurice, and I'm an account exec.
0: First up today, we are going to chat with our very own creative director, Chris Logsdon. Um, He is the founder, co-founder, I should say, of the Godspeed Company, which is um, an apparel company that focuses on American-made products. So that's what we're kind of going to be... Going in on today, so welcome, Christopher. What's up,
2: guys, good to be here. How's it going? Long outside time outside of the see. office setting. It's so wonderful to see your faces. Oh
0: yes, you look different here. <laughs> yeah, I know. The light, I think about, it's the angle. Is it yeah. The light,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. uh-huh, I appreciate that. we I mean, need meaning to
1: change out the light fixtures in the office. Just you know, mm. yeah, it brings out the tones. So much that costs before good. we go <laughs> and do that. Lighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: so What's up, everybody? Yeah. So you are a man of many. Talents and many hats, mm. and you also wear lots of hats. I do you one do. big hat. One big Pharrell hat. Oh wait, nope. Retract that. Can't. Copy um One big. Is that a farmer's hat? I don't know.
0: What What I, would you call that hat that you wear?
1: Uh, I call
2: it my man lid. Your <laughs> are you cop? Are you trademarking that? I don't know. No, it's okay. probably already. I would hope it's already trademarked. Um, oh. <clears> it is simply just a, a, a hat that I feel like a lot of back in the 50s and 60s wore in New York City. That's what, hence, I guess, the man lid. I don't know. Um,
0: How many men could walk across from one another on the sidewalk wearing that hat without it falling
2: off? I don't know, but they did it. If you look back at all those photos, they, they did it. Um, yeah, it's I, yeah, it's first of its kind that I tried wearing. Um, went all in on it. So happy I did. It's a, it's a cool hat. It keeps me, uh, the brim is so big when it rains. It doesn't pour. It doesn't, doesn't does fall does cascading its around yeah,
1: your face. It doesn't pour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I feel... Uh, Very good first question, as we ask a lot of people, is how did you end up in the scenic city in good old Chattanooga?
2: Uh, Great question. So I came down um, after hearing our folks up in New York at VaynerMedia wanted to open up an office down in the Southeast. After spending eight years uh, living and working uh, in New York City and experiencing my first year in the New York office at VaynerMedia, Uh, It was just time, time to go. My wife and I had had our first son, Oliver. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, we we lived, we enjoyed, we spent probably too much money, didn't save any of it in New York City. And I think the opportunity to try something new and different uh, in a place like Chattanooga just seemed, I mean, fascinated us. So we, uh, yeah, I think we kind of raised our hands when the question was asked up there about who wanted to come down and... Um, and try it out. And I think came came down here for a weekend. Jess, you were part of that group. Mm-hmm. I think we all, I mean, I think the group, we all just vibed together so well, and it just, it felt right. Um, and it's such a beautiful city. And, you know, since then, as you all know, we've seen it kind of grow and become something even more. So um, that was kind of the, the genesis behind our move coming here.
0: Yeah. So um, you started Godspeed Company before moving down to Chattanooga, right?
2: I did. I did. Um, in 2012... Um, As I recently have gone back and looked at my very first Instagram post, which is essentially where Godspeed came from, Um, when I first hopped on the platform, I guess it was 2012, um, instead of using my own personal name, I thought, why not make something cooler besides my own personal name? So uh, Godspeed Co. at the time was, (laughs) randomly was the thing. I was super into motorcycles, um, and the notion, uh, even the pure definition of Godspeed um, was I, again, that, that also fascinated me, so it became what I thought was just a nice handle for the Instagram feed that at the time I was using to document to document a lot of the journeys that I was making um, on the back of my motorcycle, um, as well as just shooting and capturing photos of motorcycles on the streets in and around New York City and Brooklyn. So it just it all kind of made sense. Um, 2012, I think, it was the first time I snapped my very first photo on that platform, um, and since then, you know, we just kind of. Grew it um, primarily just by using it.
0: How did that turn into an apparel brand?
2: Um, it took time. It wasn't. It wasn't the intention when we first started it. Um, as Godspeed Co, as the handle is called, as it started to just get some followings and um, some followers rather, uh, the more we are using and posting, um, it kind of just had it took on a life of its own, and the turn into becoming. <laughs> an actual company because it was fictitious up until that point, um, came around the time that we kind of unearthed, uh, at the time, it was just me too. So um, I guess at the time that I would unearthed this first idea to create a product that hadn't never been made before and it's called the ShopRack shirt, um, which is our flagship product. Um, once we once I started kind of going down the path of trying to figure out how to make this shirt and then ultimately making it, that's when we officially became a company because, I mean, we had something to actually sell. Um, so, uh, as short as that answer was, I think it took me, it, it took a good five years before that came about. Um, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what goes into making a shop rag shirt.
2: Whoa, um, a lot. Because the uh, the reason is um, the the challenge that we gave ourselves was to um, first and foremost understand what. Um, what actually goes into making a shop rag. And that was certainly the inspiration behind it, hence the name Shop Rag Shirt. And the shop rag's quite, I mean, there's only really two things that make it up, the fabric and this little edge that goes around um, that actually keeps the rag in uh, in its shape. And that edge is called many things, uh, lock stitch, overlocking edge, keep stitch. It's also called a marrowed edge, um, which comes from the machine that actually makes it, called the marrow sewing machine. Um, so it's the fabric and, and that particular um, stitch. And it has never been done before because no one has ever thought to use that particular stitch in a menswear shirt. It just, that's not how you make a shirt. So part of the challenge was in being true to the shop rag was where can we actually introduce this edge into a classic menswear shirt design um, and and make a shirt that is durable, um, like true original shop rags are back in the 50s and 60s when they were made here in the states shop rags were um, 10 times as strong as what you see now um, because a lot of the rags you find at some of the major um, chain stores are all manufactured overseas um, so we wanted to be true to those old ones um, and it would make a better shirt if it was much more durable um, so we tried to yeah i mean that was our goal was to to stay true to the rag and make a shirt that um we felt would get better with time like actual shop rags do um, and initially we weren't paying as close attention to try to do it in the States. Um, I think the first batch of shop rag material I got was off of, uh, uh, can I say the name of the website?
0: Off I don't an know. Off of e-commerce website. Off of,
2: off of an, oh, a massively large e-commerce site overseas. Um, and it came from, I think uh, a particular country that manufactures a bunch of this stuff rather cheaply. Um, and I got about 30 yards and I was like, cool, I'll do it with this. But when I was looking at that material, I just realized, man, this is such a, this is, it's what you would find at some of these stores, right? It was so loose. I'm like, this will never, ever withstand, um, anything if we made it to a shirt. Um, so then came the whole idea of like, well, Let's do it like they used to make the old American chop rags, which were just incredibly um, well-manufactured and durable. Um, and that's when the idea to try to literally challenge the entire system of making something 1,000% on U.S. soil came about. And there's a reason why people don't do it. It's incredibly difficult. Um, a lot of people will tell you, no, it can't be done. But the interesting part about it is, I mean, literally, as it took us years to do, but it wasn't that difficult. Does it cost a little bit more? Absolutely. But... Um, what we're primarily fe- affected by is when when we go to every single one of our factories, which we have gone to, to actually see where our shirt is made and all the different bits of it. We're talking buttons, thread, the fabric, where the fabric is dyed. We've been to every single one of these factories. And when you see those people who are there um, working on your product and making a living off of this, like that's when it really impacts you. And for us, that's where it became like, we have to do this here, because it literally is making an impact in a lot of these different communities. Um, across the different states that we manufacture in, being North Carolina, here in Tennessee, um, and the historic city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where all of our stuff gets sent to, to be cut and sewn and ultimately made into the shirt that, um, that we sell now. Um, so it didn't start off as an American-made thing, but the more deeper we got into it, the more that kind of became our our way um, was to just make their shirt, because it, it needed to be. Um, 100,000%, I would challenge anyone, to find something that is actually more American made than the shirt, um, but that's that's what it is. So taking a step back,
1: why rags Of all the potential fabrics out there, like what was it that started this interest or infatuation of we're gonna go make a ShopRags shirt and like going to the length that you just explained of going to the original version of ShopRags?
2: Um, purely because of the fact that i was riding i ride motorcycles that's where it actually I mean, that's where the um that's where it actually started most people who ride or even wrench on car on cars guys and girls you can usually find a shop rack within an arm's reach um typically it's found in, in their back pocket so i've always had one in my back pocket i mean it's just it's it comes in handy you know it's like whenever i spill something or if i'm working on um a bike or something else like you just Take it out and wipe it. Handkerchief is almost the same thing too, except the shop rag is more absorbent than a handkerchief. Um, and what's that? I'm getting some 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 gestures <laughs> from Jess. I'm trying to decipher what that means. I
0: wanted t- to know whether or not it was okay to ask about your book.
2: Oh, um, I'll get there. Because yeah. The- <laughs>
0: It felt like a natural. I've gotten
2: super nerdy on shop rags, and <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly get to that. Um, but I always just carried a shop rag in my back pocket. And the, literally, I still remember the day it happened. I was in New York City at a previous agency, and I spilled, I think it was coffee, on my desk. And I just took my rag out, wiped it up, and it was clean. And then I looked at their rag, and I was like, oh, this is, you know, like, I wonder who, what the story is behind the shop rag. Because um, for sure, I mean, it's such an iconic thing, at least to me. It's like you see it everywhere in every single garage under every car construction sites they're they're always around um and i just figured someone had documented like the shop rag story and to my my surprise that nothing had been written about it and i was just so insanely shocked by that and as a creative person in a field where you're we're essentially storytelling um i hopped right on it something this is a story that needs to be told um to me, speaks volumes about the blue-collared worker and hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, all that stuff. Um, so that's when the idea... Um, I, then I literally laid the, the rag over my wrist, and I was like, well, if this is such a durable rag. Um, why not make a shirt out of it? Because ideally, it would be a very incredible, hard-working shirt that gets better the more you use it. Because shop rags usually... When you first get them, they're like, okay, whatever. But the more you use them, they soften up. They acquire a patina based off of what you're using it on or cleaning up, and it just looks good over time. Um, so all those things, like creating a new product plus an incredibly rich story, um, which I thought the rag represented, like when you have those two things, um, that's when you know something can happen when it comes to like storytelling and trying to sell or get a message out around a product um from there i started to really nerd out my wife at one point surprised me with a, a vintage shop rag right, that she found um uh on one of those like uh, uh websites that people uh, again was it ebay type of thing um and i didn't realize that shop rags like Old cool looking shop rags were still out there. I thought they were gone. Much to my surprise, you can find a lot of them online. And she got me one and it was like an old tractor company from like the 50s. And the rag was gorgeous. And again, very durable. The edge was still intact. And it literally became like then like as a kid, I collected baseball cards. Now I collect shop rags. It's it's weird because they're also incredibly different. Colors faded. I mean they they acquire a great patina. And most interesting is on a lot of these rags are graphics and designs, being a a designer by trade, I geek out over that, but you're seeing all these old images and type treatments and fonts and just a lot of designs that people are kind of ripping off now, creating new products, um, still intact on these rags. And uh, the idea to then go and collect as many of these as possible, the old actual American ones, and make a book out of it kind of became, uh, it's currently the project I'm working on now. It's just a kind of coffee table book that documents the look of each of these rags, and then we, we're going to go a step further and actually try to get some, get some information on the companies that are um, featured on these rags to figure out where they are, because about 99% of them are no longer here, and that speaks to a little bit of kind of that dark period in the 70s when manufacturing went overseas and just wiped out a bunch of these companies that are no longer around that are featured on these rags. So there's some interesting, um, again, storytelling around Around that, that I think would be would make for a compelling visual coffee table book. So that's to answer your question. That's <laughs> that's what we're working on. I wasn't on. sure
0: if it was confidential or no, if it was public no, shoot, knowledge let's talk about or it. anything like that. Yeah. So should no, we be expecting
1: great. a documentary sometime soon? Yeah. And we, I'm assuming,
2: yeah, we'll we'll film it, Landon. If you're not doing anything, we'll we'll bring you in, our videographer guy. Um, but yeah, so a lot of things, but again, it all starts around the shop rag. And again, I think we've taken it upon ourselves. So like, all right, if no one's told the story, it needs, it deserves to be told, we're going to do it. So
1: being our creator today, why are you, what inspires you creatively? Like if there was one or two things that you had to identify that are um, not constant inspirations, but like, you know, ever so often, like seeing a good movie or reading a good book that just like sparks
2: something in you. Um, it's, I've been asked this question before and it's such a hard one because, um, on some level, um, I'm just wired that way. I think most creatives are just looking at you. I'm sure you probably have a, you would have responded in a similar fashion. But, um, if you look at my family tree, there's like the, the lineage of artists, like my mom was, a uh, uh, she was into art. My brother's actually a better Illustrator, drawler than I am. He just decided to go a different route. Um, so it's kind of always been a thing. I grew up like always just sketching and coloring. Like most kids, I just I just loved it. So um, I, again, I need to answer your question. It's always kind of been there. In terms of inspiration, I mean, it can come from everywhere. But I find what I find most that, that, that helps me along um, to be more creative is constantly putting myself in situations that I'm exposing myself to different things that I wouldn't usually have done before, right? Um back in the day when I was listening to a certain type of music, friends of mine turned me on to different sorts, and I was like, "Oh man, like this is really cool music. Let me give it a chance." So I started listening to different types and that was inspiring going to see different like movies that i'm just maybe I'm not initially drawn to just to see what it's about like that's inspiring, so it's not one particular thing. um I think it's a certainly a combination of what internally is inside me, like the DNA how i'm wired, um, paired with I think everyday occurrences where I'm exposed to new things and allowing myself to be exposed by putting myself either in uncomfortable positions or just in places where I'm just gonna meet new people, hear new things, have different type of conversations, because that's when ideation kind of starts swirling around in the old noggin.
0: I think we only have a couple minutes, so do you have any last uh, wonderful words of wisdom to impart upon our audience today?
2: Sure. Sure. I would say if we're talking, you know, specifically about making your own thing and doing your own thing, um, what I looking back on, on how, um, you know, we started Godspeed and went down this ridiculous path of creating a product. Um, I think my message to anyone in a similar position, trying to figure out how to start their thing literally is to like, don't waste time, do it now. Like anything you can do, make a phone call, send an email, um, it's, it literally is that easy. As difficult as it was to make a shirt, like what I'm wearing now, um, it actually wasn't that difficult. It literally started, I kid you not, with a phone call or meeting someone at a bar saying, Hey, I have an idea. Can you help me with this? Cause I know you're good at making a shirt. Perhaps those little things have a way of snowballing themselves into, um, real true momentum. So as little as they may seem, they're actually quite helpful. So I would encourage anyone, if you had that idea in your head, um, You need to execute it and execute it now and do it quickly. And um, again, just make the phone call. Make the phone call. Awesome.
1: So I know for every episode, we like to end off um, with a tradition that we've taken from our office specifically of uh, the hand. Oh, we're doing (laughs) it. Yeah. So we want you to share with this lovely audience who has just gotten to know you of uh, what are the five condiments that you would have?
2: interesting and I completely forgot my what I, my answer to this was when I first came down here a little over two years ago so this is kind of nice I kind of refresh because things have changed I would say and are, are we ju- now we being judgmental now too on what's a economy and what's not because I know Listen, that's this is a free space you are safe okay that being
1: said I
0: want you to be the best version of yourself
1: but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that people can not judge
2: you later on I'm just <laughs> saying okay um well in brand specific how are we doing on that can we lay that down? I mean, that's just, cause that. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'll set it up. I'll set it up to in a way where maybe we can edit mm-hmm. if we have to. So um, certainly ketchup. And it, and if what, I'm. Which uh, direction are we going from? Oh man. I'm probably point a finger. Cause it okay. feels like it's there. There's a certain brand of ketchup um, called Sir Kensington, which is phenomenal. So um, I would say my, my finger, it would be ketchup, of course. Um, second, probably uh, thumb, because thumb feels quite important too. And this is where we get in a little bit of bait, but I'm going to say peanut butter. What kind of peanut butter? Uh, it's pronounced jiff.
0: Sure, the peanut butter is, but we can talk about that later. And um, creamy or Crunchy
2: um it it usually is is creamy but occasionally i will throw in the the crunch years ago they also made a peanut butter honey version which was i don't know i think they took off the shelf um so that's that's two um man i'm recalling an earlier answer that i made two years ago and it was pepperoni which kind of raised some eyebrows because is it a condiment? Does it come out of a bottle? Not necessarily. But you can layer it onto something, which makes it a topping, which is close to a condiment. I think
0: that's okay. fair. What finger? Acceptable. Is, it out? is that uh, your bird?
2: I think it's what's the ring finger? Oh, it's your ring finger? Ring finger. Okay. So I'm missing the middle finger and the pinky, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I might even try. Because I, I like it in small amounts. That's where it's, it's most powerful. For the pinky, I'm designating that for um, Old Bay spice. I mean, that's just, yeah for those who know okay. old Bay you're welcome and for those who don't get on it um, we're left with the middle finger sounds like a mixtape but mm-hmm. I no know, I know. <laughs> um, man I, I hate going to like the mayonnaise but um, I'll, res- I hate on mayonnaise. I'll reserve yeah. I'll reserve the mayonnaise I I could also go teriyaki sauce um, you know what I'll call it with teriyaki sauce all right I think there's like a Kikkoman's teriyaki sauce.
1: Are we locking and loading? Are we laminating this? We are laminating.
2: Laminated. Laminated. Done. dude Chris. Feels good. We appreciate you being with us today. Yeah, thank you. You guys are beautiful people. You know that? You're beautiful thank too. You. I like you guys. Yeah. Continue being creative. I really Continue enjoyed this inspiring. opportunity
0: to look at your face more. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime. It's so a pleasure
2: being here. Thank you guys for the time um, and attention. And for those listening, uh, if you have any questions about what we're doing at Godspeed or anything else, please. Um, Hit us up on the gram at Godspeed Co. Facebook's backslash Godspeed Co. We're out there. Literally Google it or just Google shop rag shirt. You'll find us. Um, usually, when is when you send any message on either of those platforms, it goes directly to me. So let's, let's start some conversations. Yeah, just yeah. make the phone call. Make the phone call.
1: There you go. Or send the a DM. It Slide into them DMs. Ooh,
2: there it is. And we
1: out. Next up, we have Desiree Smith. Des, how you doing today?
3: Fabulous.
0: Desiree is uh, one of our copywriters here in the Chattanooga office, but she also has some major side hustle going on with uh, originally her blog, the Tennessee Rose blog, um, as well as her Instagram account. You can find her there at Desiree.Danielle. Um, and we're going to talk to her about all kinds of things today, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: And for those that cannot see Des, she is rocking it today from head to toe, so... Y'all are missing out.
3: Yeah. Oh yes. Please go. Go ahead and describe your outfit. Yeah, and follow me on Instagram for sure. Then you can see all my outfits all the time.
1: You'll be. You'll be grateful. <laughs> so tell us, what are you wearing today?
3: Yeah. I am wearing a completely full tulle skirt with about seven layers of tulle, two layers of cotton, combined with a jersey knit long sleeve black top, um, and really cheapo, black ballet shoes.
1: <laughs> nice, What uh, so working with you, what inspires your your outfits each day? Is it like a, a mood thing or is it like, this is what I'm doing today and I'm rocking it?
3: <laughs> well, I'm super into all the vintage uh, stuff, you know? So basically, I mean, a lot of times, it's like if I just watched a movie the night before, I'm like, ooh, I like that. I wonder if I can like, be, do something inspired by one of those characters or something I saw on the internet. Or sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, okay, why don't I just put this because I'm lazy? Maybe I'll wear a dress because I just want to wear one piece. I want more airflow, stuff like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, most days these days I feel pretty good about what I'm wearing when I get to the office unless I'm having a really off day. But you put us to shame every single day.
3: Oh, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like a, a sorry, not sorry moment. But today is that. like
3: extra because we're going we're gonna go to a dinner tonight. So yeah, we're getting fancy.
0: You look real
1: nice. Thanks. Yeah. So tell us about your your blog and how you got started and you know now, especially like heavy Instagram side hustle.
3: So I had literally just always followed um a couple of fashion bloggers like Keiko Lynn and Bonnie Barton. And I was really, you know, just obsessed with looking at their posts every day. That's what, I would literally get on the internet and, like, go to their website every day to see if they'd post anything new. And I was like, oh, man, I wonder if I could do this. Um, at the time, I wanted to, I mean, I thought I was going to, like, have a fashion line, all this stuff. So I was super obsessed with them. Then I was like, wonder if I can make that happen for myself. So asked for a camera for Christmas, started taking photos of myself, and uh, put like putting them on my blog on the internet and then just transferring all of that to Instagram. It's like process has sorta of changed a little <laughs> bit now, but that's how it started was just being a like a high school college kid looking at them and being like, they're so pretty. They have such cute clothes. I wanna do this.
1: <laughs> so what would your fashion line have been named or still could be named?
3: Well I did have it. I did make it after college uh, and it failed. <laughs> But it was called Desiree Danielle. That's my uh, first and middle name, so that's really original.
1: That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Listen, all the <laughs> iconic people out there—it's their name.
0: Yeah, you yeah. are your own brand. That's kind of the best way to be, right?
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what what happened to the to the fashion passion there? You said you started it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what was that journey like, and how has it like impacted what you're doing now? Because yeah. you're still you're still within the fashion realm.
3: I mean, I've always been just like a creative person and that creativity always came out partially through outfits, partially through photography, whether it was like Polaroids and then just like getting ready for school. And so I just started, you know, putting that online myself and trying to tell my own stories of the day or the outfit or whatever. And um, so I just, I kept doing that. And even though I started the fashion line, I thought that's where I wanted my life to go. But it turns out. It wasn't. I wanted to go more full-time into the blogging, and the eventually just really Instagram is the main thing these days. I mean, I know that I still keep up with the blog, but I feel like for the most part we're all just getting our you know, source of news and uh, the things that we look at every day through Instagram. People are like, oh, okay, I saw the outfit on the one photo, so do I really need to leave the app and go to the Internet? Uh, so now I kind of just intentionally create for Instagram a lot of times. Because it's my it's my just my favorite now I guess.
0: <laughs> and what is your goal with continuing on with the Instagram account? Is it with the end game of someday building that fashion line? Is it with um, you know becoming more of an influencer and creating brand partnerships? Um, what what's what is your hope for the future for Desiree Danielle?
3: Yeah, I mean I'm pretty done with the whole fashion line thing. That was what I just always had in my head is what I wanted to do because it was really one of the only ways I knew how to express my creativity. But now I think I've really ex- like found new alternatives and um, found other things that I'm much better at than that or feel more fulfilled from. So yeah, and I, I mean I really I do my Instagram because I love it and it, it's just a good outlet for me. So ultimately the goal will always just be have fun and get my like emotions out through it or whatever um yeah i I do have some brand partnerships have had some and have some like upcoming i would totally love to get more but um i don't want it to it's not all about that i mean cool if i could get a whole ton of them that would be i'd be super stoked but i don't want to go into it being just about that because i've made a lot of good friends on instagram so i really like it being about connection and expression and (laughs) all of that
0: So for anyone who does follow Desiree on Instagram, you may have noticed that she has a really interesting way of writing each of her posts, and it's that each is framed as if it's from a screenplay um, or script for a film. So can you tell us a little bit about how that started and why you continue to do it?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm really in love with movies, and I've always thought about my blog posts and my Instagram posts as scenes from a movie and the girl inside of them being characters. So a lot of times I would get dressed, you know, dressing myself or dressing her um, as like a character, you know, as if I was doing costume design or costume styling or whatever. And so I just started writing the, you know, the slug lines as sort of a way to set the scene a little more and sort of get that through. So it's like, oh, sure, this is me, but this is me in a story. There's more to it. I wanted to like evoke more feeling And then I've kept doing that because I I like setting that um, mood. (laughs) And uh, I want to write a screenplay. I've been working on screenplays, so just both.
1: (laughs) So why the vintage angle?
3: That is just who I am as a human being. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to watch, like, cartoons and, like, You know, a lot of the popular things when I was little, so I had to watch TV Land was one of the few things approved by my mother, (laughs) and uh, so I just always watched all those old shows like I Dream of Jeannie and uh, The Brady Bunch and, you know, Green Acres, so I, I grew up on those, so I think I just acquired a taste and style based off of, you know, those characters, and I mean, classic films are still some of my favorite ones today, so... I just, I think it really made an impression on me when I was young and now I associate that with like, cool.
1: (laughs) So do you feel that there was, that you have been born in the wrong time zone in the wrong era? Like.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I could take women's rights back to the sixties with me, that'd be cool. And you know, like obviously um, no segregation. I wouldn't want any of that happening back in the sixties either. I'm really nostalgic for that era, even though I've never lived through it. But I also acknowledge the horrible, horrible things about it, and I hate that. And if we could have that same magical feeling that I imagine, you know, I get from Mad Men or from Populaire, like all those 60s-inspired movies, um, if we could have that feeling in the world today but without all the horrible things, (laughs) that'd be dope. What is that feeling to you? Oh... I guess it, I mean, truly nostalgia is the best way, I feel like, to describe it. It, uh, I don't know. It's like when you just watch a movie and it just feels so, it's just like romantical. (laughs) It just seems whimsical. Everything just seems, I I don't even know what that feeling is. When I watch like a Lana Del Rey music video or an episode of Mad Men, it's just like, I get this feeling. I feel like, I, I guess I just, that's a feeling of fitting in, connecting.
1: <laughs> so where do you see yourself going or where do you desire for yourself to go, especially within this realm of fashion and with uh, what the content that you're putting out there?
3: Um, well, kind of as we said earlier, I hope to just like keep growing with it. Um, hopefully inspiring some people to, just sort of wear what they want because there really is a thing. I get a lot of looks sometimes, you know, especially when I'm in like some of my most vintage outfits. I've definitely been asked uh, literally once a week probably about where am I going? What 50s event am I attending? What character thing, what dance are people, you know, sock cop people not know about. And I'm like, Oh, no, dudes. <laughs> this just is just me. me.
0: You're just going to work.
3: Yeah. So I, just, I want people to be able to wear what they want and not feel, like, nervous about it. Or even if they do, be like, whatever. This is just what I want to wear. I don't care. I'm going to do it. makes me feel happy and express who I am. So that. And then, obviously, I just want to keep growing and um, just keep keep doing it. Keep putting content out and enjoying it. <laughs>
1: So, if there had to be to that point of wanting people to have more confidence into like wear what they what they want to wear and owning it, if you had to give three tips, like give us fashion tips, like we are your subjects.
3: (laughs) Fix us when you pick out that thing when you're shopping or you see a photo, whatever on Pinterest, and you're like, "Wow, that's cute! I wish I could wear that." Um, Actually, just like wear it. Like, because, like, why can't you, you know? So, um, and don't listen to those freaking articles that are all, like, here's this and this for your body type. Um, just, like, whatever makes you happy. Who says because of your body has a certain shape that you're not allowed to wear something that, like, would bring you joy? Um, and lastly, hmm, I get really like, what is this thing about different occasions have different attire? I've always kind of thought, you know, like whenever people send out wedding invitations or maybe not wedding, but like, uh, whatever, some kind of occasion invitation, they're like, oh, the dress code is or the attire is. I've just always just been sort of like, I don't care. I've been breaking dress codes since seventh grade. <laughs> I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear. I'm sorry if it makes you... Unhappy, or if I show up looking like the weirdo, <laughs> you maybe shouldn't have invited me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you haven't yet, you should trademark that, that tagline right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah,
0: we'll do and that. And everyone should definitely invite you. <laughs> I'm going to do that
3: for the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> how does how does a person find their style? So you found that you fell in love with the vintage aspect and building that confidence. How does someone else find like what works for them? Of like maybe they are more clean cut of like minimal or they are like, they love color and they want to pop. How do they figure that out for themselves?
3: I feel like it really is whenever you're on Tumblr or you're on Instagram or just when people, you know, they look towards certain celebrities because of their aesthetic and their, their style And it's like, okay, if you keep gravitating towards the same people, I wonder if maybe you like those types of things, so you should try to incorporate some of it. I get most of my inspiration from, like, magazines, the internet. So really, I guess if you just see something on there, that you're gravitating towards it on multiple different occasions, that might be for you.
1: (laughs) Do you offer styling? Like, if I take you to the store with me, will you style me?
3: Yeah, man, I love shopping.
1: (laughs) Boom, done. (laughs) Got weekend plans now.
3: Oh, I need to take
0: you up on that too. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Who's your arm candy? Like if you had to to set that up of like going with your fashion style and vintage, like who do you like feel if there's a name or if like a description of like, boom, head to toe, this is homie G.
3: Oh, like a real person?
1: Or a fake person. Or a fake fake person. We accept them all.
3: Okay. I mean, I feel like Ryan Gosling is a really good example. Cause I've always gravitated towards him because he feels so old Hollywood to me. Like, living in the current day, he's just so, like, kind of classic. I'm like, oh, yeah, Ryan is so sweet and cute. And put together. He feels like Cary Grant or something to me back in the day. So, I mean, I would totally go anywhere he wanted me to go. I would put him on my arm <laughs> if he wanted to just go to Walmart. Like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just imagining Ryan right
3: <laughs> right at Walmart. <laughs> like, what are we buying today? Ooh, they have a wine aisle now. <laughs> Get some $5 champagne. Take him to pasa. cook out for dinner. Cook out for your Waffle House. Oh, Waffle Definitely House. Definitely Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> your,
0: that's your place. Yeah.
1: So what would be... I know you've stated some things already, but if you had to summarize everything what would be a challenge you would place to everyone um, today on moving forward and to, especially when it comes to fashion or confidence?
3: Yeah, first of all, um, females should be wearing whatever they want to wear. However, whatever makes them feel comfortable, whatever makes them feel confident, they should not have to listen to anything that anybody else males (laughs) have to say about it you know if you want to be cute be cute if you want to be girly be girly if you want to be totally streetwear and like athleisure go for it if you want to mix men and women's outfits do it whatever if you would however whatever you want to wear just like just let it be you and not worry what you're gonna get called or what someone's gonna say or this or that um challenge maybe also cool to think about some slow fashion stuff like I'm really into vintage fashion and uh, you know you go to the thrift store anything that's just made like you know, either recycled, ethically, or has previously been worn by people is a cool challenge to set for yourself. Doesn't always have to be right off the rack or off—certainly not off the runway. <laughs> I'm not wearing. I don't know anybody who can afford to wear that.
0: Technically, if it's been on the runway, it's been used.
3: Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if you can fit into the the sample size, then okay, sure. <laughs> Desiree,
0: if you could have five condiments come out of your five fingers on the hand of your choosing, what would those condiments be
3: and what fingers would they come out of? Okay, I think the first one should be, like my pointer finger, vinaigrette. I just, I love vinaigrette on anything. What kind of vinaigrette? Ooh, like a balsamic yeah. or a red
0: wine,
3: or I like, do a like apple cider. <laughs> I love red wine. I love all kinds of vinaigrette. I think I just love vinegar. Drink freaking vinegar. But
1: um, <laughs> you were that kid in my <laughs> yeah. class drinking vinegar
3: for sure. Drinking vinegar, man. But um, I, I'm going to go with balsamic vinegar because it's the most like put it on what I think like pasta salad, sandwiches, all of that. Um, thumb. I, I'm gonna mess up this pronunciation probably, but tahin, tahin, t a g i n j i n. It's in the uh, the what the section in the grocery stores that is international. Yeah, it's like I think it's from Mexico. It's a Spanish uh, spice. It's like lime spice. I don't know. It's so good. I put that on popcorn with lime, which I did learn from. Um, a Hispanic person on Twitter, and it was super cool. It's like tastes so good, <laughs> like you gotta try that. I also put it on fish. I love it. Um, okay, middle finger ketchup. I need ketchup on every single French fry I eat. Um, I'm with you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> French fries. <laughs>
3: French fries. I need a oh man, Cajun spice. This is it Cajun Tony's? Yes, I need like a, yeah, that Cajun spice. Okay, and I, I really need salt, you know. Is that a condiment? Salt? Get it. Am I choosing all spices? Any,
1: any type uh, of like specific salt, sea salt, Himalayan salt?
3: Oh, uh, that pink salt's cute. Himalayan salt or sprinkles. <laughs> oh, or like margarita. Have you ever had a margarita that has like these glitter, like margarita glitter rim? I don't know if we could get that. Sugar rim it's with glitter. It's your finger. Okay. That's uh, your life. What are we on? My pinky? I
1: think...
0: I think that's the last I one. I think
1: that was the last one, yeah. Uh,
3: no, one more, yeah. <laughs>
0: Wait, so tagine, vinaigrette, ketchup, ketchup uh, what she, salt, salt, and one
3: more. And, oh, I feel like I need something sweet, too. Hmm. I really love caramel sauce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, caramel yeah. sauce.
1: Question. Always... Warm or, like... Hot! <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: piping hot. All right. Pull it
3: out of that boiling water, like, at the... And pour it on. Yeah. I'm
1: with you. So, are we committing to this?
3: I am fully committed. Unlike all my relationships.
1: <laughs> Des, we appreciate you being with us today, and we uh, thank everyone for joining us and listening in. Um, as always... Stay cool, stay positive, pound empathy.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're asking me to say something? <laughs> yes. I think Maurice covered all of the positivity. I'm just happy to be here.
1: <laughs> all right, awesome. Uh, this has been another episode of Made in Chattanooga, episode 5.
3: Do we get to sing the song out?
1: Why May- not? Made, made in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. <laughs> <laughs>